It's artificial intelligence and women on the wall in exploration of gender and text in media. Barbara Kruger and Jenny Holzer in conversation with Ellen Molesworth on this week of Of Horses and Men with Leslie and Ben. Folks, I'm the Ben of that. And I'm the Leslie. This is a weekly podcast about the Netflix original comedy series BoJack Horseman. And Leslie, while my voice recovers, what episode are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 4, After the Party. After her birthday celebration, Mr. Peanut Butter presents Diane with an unasked-for surprise party. The couple gets into a fight over a meaningless piece of trivia, causing their friends to say their goodnights and go their separate ways. Princess Carolyn sees child Vincent in the streets and cannot be convinced otherwise that Vincent has a secret family. Bojack and Wanda accidentally run over a deer, and Wanda gives Bojack an extended metaphor for their relationship in the form of a joke. Meanwhile, Diane finally admits to Mr. Peanut Butter that she's not actually happy where they are in their marriage. Folks, this is a special episode of Of Horses and Men because we are joined by a fantastic guest, a future star of the Infinity Break Network. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and other identifiers, please welcome to the program, once again, Johnny Ronaldo. Woo! Yeah. Woo! The crowd goes wild. Yeah. You are actually a fan favorite of everything you've been on so far. Oh, you have fans? Johnny, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure. Folks... I love this episode. It's a it's very a good, good episode. It's a good one. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? There's a lot to love in this episode. Do you want to know the reason I love this episode? Yes, please. Non-linear storytelling. What? This episode, for the listener, if you haven't seen it in a while, the inciting incident happens. Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane get in a fight at their party. Uh, it's awkward for everyone. Everyone skips out. Bojack and Wanda leave. Todd and Carolyn leave. And Diane and Peanut Butter stay. What happens, the way this episode is formatted, is we follow one of them all the way to the very end of their story. It goes back in time, we follow the others to the very end of their story. It goes back in time, and we follow the others to the very end of their story. It's non-linear storytelling, and I love that shit. I really, really loved the storytelling in this episode. I am also a huge sucker for non-linear storytelling, and I'm a huge sucker for the punchline being presented without the joke, which was obviously the case when... Diane starts yelling, he's dead, he's dead, just believe that he's dead, and we're, we don't understand who's dead, until a little bit later when we start off with Princess Carolyn and Todd in the car, and we About find two, out... two, three minutes later. Yeah, and we find out that it's that it's Tony Curtis, who, folks, did in fact pass away in 2010, which so he, I would not have known dead. had I... <laughs> he is in fact dead, which I would not have known no. really one way or the other had I not watched this episode... So I good Googled job it while on, I was on watching choice. It. I, I was like, is Tony Curtis dead? Right, because that's the first thing you think. Is you're like, is he, though? I would is also just like to point out that probably this episode is the reason why I put, like, is Tony, and Google was like, Curtis dead? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, Google. Bojack Horseman affecting the Google algorithm. Yeah, I mean, I imagine so. I did also have to Google that. I feel as though many people did. So good choice on Tony Curtis for that. That was a, that was a, a solid choice. Obviously, the first of three tongs in this story that we're told is with Princess Carolyn and Todd. What interests me the most, I think, is that this is the one... You just can't have Todd without having a B-plot, man. Like, the other two stories that are told have a very straightforward plot between the two of them. But this one, obviously, has got... It has an A-plot and it has a B-plot because when Princess Carolyn and Todd stop in the crosswalk and she, of course, sees Vincent's true form, 
as it were. It's then uh, Kevin, she decides right? to go home. Yeah, it's Kevin. It's Kevin. Kevin the kid. And so she goes home, and then she tells Todd that he has to leave as soon as Vincent slash Kevin shows up. And so we have the A-plot of Princess Carolyn in the hijinks that ensue as Kevin tries to convince her that he is, in fact, both father and son, and not just three kids in a trench coat. But then we also have the B-plot of Todd with the two phones that fall in love. In what was, certainly at the time, a topical send-up of her. Oh, yeah, clearly. That's clearly what that was. But we are now several years removed from that. <laughs> sure, sure. Because this was in 2015. So it just interests me a lot that, that they could not even resist giving him a B-plot when there were three separate plots happening. It's just really it's just really his strong suit, I think, as a character. Um, so, yeah, so let's go ahead and... Because we have three very distinct things to discuss. So so let's just dive into the uh, the first one. With Princess Carolyn... Kevin slash Vincent and Todd. Yes, the first plot line, as I uh, very briefly summarized uh, in the beginning of this episode, I will now go into a little more detail. Uh, Princess Carolyn is driving Todd home and uh, breaks in the middle of the intersection. That's the second almost car accident that happens in this episode, now that I think about it. Breaks in the middle of an intersection um, and nearly hits a mother and child that she recognizes looks a lot like my boyfriend, Vincent. Princess Carolyn immediately just goes to the direct assumption that's, oh, because he has a secret family. Not that anyone has ever warned her about any other possibility with Vincent ever. Yeah. The only other person who knows is Bojack, though, <laughs> which is part of the big joke. <laughs> he can see past the premise. And then yada, yada, yada. Long story short, uh, she basically confronts him about this, and he basically does a two dates to the prom sort of thing where he has to... Similar to the, uh, the the prison race gangs scene in um, the first season, he has to constantly keep making up excuses why he can't be in two places, or he can't be two people at the same time, all that jazz. I want to point out something interesting about Princess Carolyn. She frames it as, oh no, he has a secret family, not, oh no, I'm a mistress. Right, yeah, that's true. Because that is... she's the, she came in second. She's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think... Yeah, I mean, it, I, I find that interesting that, yeah, that, that she thinks of herself as, like, the focal point and, like, obviously his entire family must be, a, like, a secret family as opposed to her being the secret, even if that if yeah. that were the case. Yeah, she's the mistress. Right. Which has also never happened to Princess before. That rabbit asshole. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rabinowitz. I hate that guy excuse yeah that man fuck that guy rabinowitz is the worst i'm sorry well, he puts on a great face at first and then he turns out to be the literal worst mm -hmm. no 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 he he is a mean character i just appreciate how well he's written comma also i love ben schwartz speaking of my least favorite characters in this show up until very recently uh, and this is why i didn't want to get into it too much last week you know who one of my least favorite characters in this show was for the longest time? It better not be Princess Carolyn or I'm booting you from the skull. Mr. Bubblegum. Or Peanut Butter. What? Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter? I hated Mr. Peanut Butter for the longest time, and that includes my first viewing of this season. You, Paul, have to take that back right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know what the best part is? 
So, so, uh, so this is going to be like a very in- this is fucking heresy. Very on theme, like bad, yeah. it gets dark sort of thing. So I was very mm-hmm. vocal about how much I hate Mr. Peanut Butter for a really long time, and I started dating someone. And uh, towards the time when we broke up, they were like, "You know why you don't like Mr. Peanut Butter?" And I was like, "Oh, tell me why I don't like Mr. Peanut Butter." And they're like, "Cause you are Mr. Peanut Butter." Dun dun dun. Bah! Now I love Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> so so really, it was just realizing that it's you. No, it, yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like I don't like that guy for some reason, and then the moment somebody pointed out, you don't like that guy because like he's super like blindly earnest all the time, and so are you. And I was like, oh. But that's like my favorite part of myself. Oh, whoops. <laughs> well, you look at you're looking into the whoops. dark mirror. Those whoops. things are the things I like about myself. Yeah. Oh, well, no. apparently I hate the things that I like about myself and other people. It happens. No wonder you like this show so much. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's very in theme. Well, I feel that myself as an overworked pretty kitty cat that I <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that why you were going to kick me off the call, Hamlet? I, I, thought, I thought you hated Princess Carolyn, in which case I, I would have nothing to say to you. See, my favorite character is Todd. Todd's really good. And I think it's fairly obvious as to why. Well, I'm glad you, you came around on Mr. Peanut Butter, the greatest character of all time. That's not true. It's Princess Carolyn. Doesn't matter. We'll get into that later. We'll have that fight eventually. Uh, let, yeah, we should we should probably talk about him a little later because there are, there are some key Mr. Peanut Butter personality conversations that happen later in this episode. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, I, I find it interesting that Princess Carolyn uh, makes herself the focal point of this crisis that obviously involves, um, like, a wife and a child, um, but it, it's focused around around her. Um, I mean, you know, kind of as it should be. She's our viewpoint character into that scenario. That's how sitcoms work. But even so, she's kind of selfishly orbiting it around her. Um, that's as funny as the Vincent Adultman scenes are they are still kind of awkward because she is kind of dating an eight-year-old several eight-year-olds actually it's like three yeah it's three, three of them i keep forgetting there's more of yeah. them because we only ever see we never inside. get to meet the other two which i think is a tragedy right like where do the other two keep coming from in this switcheroo that he keeps doing like while kevin's switching back into vincent where are they can you imagine this body in a swimsuit? I literally cannot. <laughs> literally I literally cannot. cannot. That's such a good gag. Um, I don't know if I have actually that much more to say about that. I just think how, how weird it is that, like, Princess Carolyn seems jealous for the wrong reasons in that one. Sure. Sure. Well, obviously, because she's never going to figure out that he's three kids in a trench coat. That's never going to happen. That was never meant to happen. I mean... Because she... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that uh, part of the, her focusing on herself in that situation is that it seems like she's already ready to break up with him um, and is just doing the, this is the reason I get to break up with him. Like, that's that she's focusing on it because that's the reason that she gets to break up with him. And she doesn't care about the other family because, like, whatever. Like, I've just realized I have to break up with this person. Uh, And it's very much, like, I think um, a lot of her upsetness about that situation is, like, her basically, like, gaslighting herself into, like, I just have wanted to break up with this person and now I have a reason. So I have to be upset about it and not, like, just stoked. The uh, the carpe diem approach. The carpe diem approach. Exactly that. I really like that. 
I'm stealing that, Leslie. Thank you. You're welcome. Carpe breakup. <laughs> Carpe breakup. So while we are still within this plot line, uh, Leslie, I'm sure you have Todd words. I have so many Todd words. I love this B-plot because, once again, it is just appropriately kooky. And obviously there's the bit where he finds Herb's ashes and we get a really great gag there. Such a good gag. It is a marijuana gag. It's very funny. I love that herb gag. I was like literally in the middle of like a bong pull when like that happened and I like coughed it out. That's it was terrible. That's great that it's legal where you live. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That was a really, really great gag that I loved a lot. Obviously the entire her subplot of, of him trying to get his phone and Princess Carolyn's work phone together. I love that they specified it was her work phone. It could have just said Princess Carolyn's phone, but no, it is specifically her work phone that is in love with Todd's phone. Which, why would that be? I just don't know. But yeah, that entire supply. I mean, like, there's not a whole... I mean, like, I don't have a lot of Todd words. I just wanted to say that he was great in this episode as, as per usual. The plot was very light and very nice. I love the bit at the beginning where he leaves her apartment and says... Lucky for you, I love shimmying. I love that bit. <laughs> I love Todd. I just, I just love Todd. And he's also bad he, at yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, I love shimmying, and then he just falls down immediately. So, I mean, you can love something and be bad at it, okay? Like, oh no, that's the thing that I mean. I think that that's Todd's whole thing is like everything that like so many things that he loves, he's bad at, and that's like what makes him so endearing. Is like he doesn't really like am I good at this has never even crossed his mind as to his enjoyment of and the thing. And that's why I love him. We should all be more like Todd. We should all be more like Todd. Yeah. It crosses my mind all the time, so leave a five-star review on whatever listening platform you're listening to this podcast. We need praise and feedback. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Uh, what's His reaction when the phone asks him if the he loves the phone is also really good and i don't remember the exact words but like how quickly it was just like whoa yeah it very quickly turns into oh uh mm, kind of hemming and hawing i guess is the term well yeah because it's an unexpected thing to happen and you know todd's not asked that question very often i would imagine yeah it's the opposite of her where the phone is suddenly really into you <laughs> right also, his initial question is great. Just like how many liters are in a barrel. I, I really do love that. Oh, I'm out of questions. <laughs> that was like all I wanted to know today. Obviously, the conversation with the two phones is a microcosm that is a summation of what's happening to Princess Carolyn at the same time. Because the phone literally says something along the lines of, I understand now that love is a feeling and, and that's pain and yada, yada, yada. Right. Right, right as Princess Carolyn is, is letting go of um, what seems to be an ostensibly stable relationship with um, three eight-year-olds in a trench coat. <laughs> Just get that girl a Tinder. <laughs> if you think there aren't three eight-year-olds in a trench coat on Tinder, then you're wrong. <laughs> That's disturbing. Former Infinity Break host Josh Valentine uh, literally only goes on Tinder to make bread buns of people. Um, <laughs> for a long time, if you lived in the Portland Corvallis area, anywhere in between, you could run into bread, age 27. Oh, is that who that was? You might have run into him. <laughs> so obviously that's supposed to be a microcosm that, like, you know, the phone is realizing, oh, love means difficult choices, and love means feeling, and love means sometimes you have to walk away from that intentionally. And that's obviously happening right as Princess Carolyn is 
going through all of those emotions simultaneously. Again, it's it's funny because both situations are equally ridiculous. One is two phones falling in love. One is Princess Carolyn reconciling her feelings for three kids in a trench coat. Obviously, none of this is, is even remotely meant to last in any sort of real way because the situations are just so bonkers out there. And yet you become oddly invested in them. It's very strange. Yeah, no That's kidding. That's story A. Yeah, so I think there's that's all that there is to say about uh, story A. Moving forward to story B, Wanda and Bojack leave the party, feigning that they have another party to go to, a prior engagement a party. A prior engagement party. They have to get there early for the silent auction. Which will benefit heart disease awareness. His fight against heart disease awareness. Yes, against, awareness. it's against oh, I'm sorry. heart disease awareness. Yeah, it's against. I didn't even catch that. That's great. Oh, I'm sorry. They hit a deer. That's probably the more important part. But one that gives Bojack an extended metaphor um, that is a, a lengthy joke. Is it a joke um, or is it just a story? No, no. The narrative wasn't what I was confused on. It was the, uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That That is actually a genuinely good bit. Um, I don't think the joke is that funny. I think it's funny how all the reactions around the joke work. But anyway. Yeah, long story short, um, Bojack is a little freaked out by uh, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's conflict, um, and he uh, expresses that he is maybe worried about him and Wanda moving too fast because, as is revealed during that conversation, they've only known each other two weeks and they're already living together. So here's another fun fact about my favorite character in this show is Wanda. I love Wanda dearly. And here's the thing that really kills me. So we, we last week we talked about um, the deer card, which I really fri- fixated on because he doesn't, he didn't know Charlotte like at right. all. And here he is saying like, oh, I don't know you at all. And that's why I can't have a relationship with you. And it's like, you don't know Charlotte either, bro. Like he never knows anyone. He never takes the time to get to know anyone. He ne- like that's never a step in his process. But now it's his reasoning why this might not work. I'm out. confused. Are you trying to insinuate that Bojack has problems remaining detached from emotional intimacy? Really? Really? Never. That doesn't not that at doesn't all. sound like him. Not at all. He's never. got it. He's the most He's got it so together. Person. He's got it so together. But I, but I also love that mulch joke. Can we please talk about Lisa Kudrow's incredible, incredible delivery on the mulch joke? I want to just record the joke, parts one and two, and just listen to them on repeat. Because like just hearing her say the word mulch was just like, this is the perfect, perfect casting mm-hmm. choice. The way she delivers those lines is like, she at points is like amused by her own story in fun little ways. That not not even just explicitly at the end, she's like, oh, I just thought of it again. Um, but like halfway through, she's like, get this mulch, yeah. you know, the way she's revealing certain parts of it. She's like so clearly delighted with what she's saying. So good. I think that also plays into like their relationship dynamic where she's clearly having such a good time, even having what is ostensibly a, a really difficult conversation. Like she's just like there for it. And Bojack is so mad about it. Like, he seems to not enjoy how, like, stoked and engaged she I think is. that that is a lot of Wanda's characterization in general is hinged on the fact that she is just so... She is just so... She rolls with things a lot. You know, in the previous episode, in episode two, where she's having the discussion about how Bojack is going to autoerotic asphyxiate himself... 
because she doesn't <laughs> love him and she's like go ahead and do it and then she's like it's fine you don't love me it's okay I don't love you you know like she just sort of rolls with whatever's happening and she's so laissez-faire about life and I think that Bojack is so fixated on every little thing and he is so he has so many neuroses involved with love relationships people people liking him people loving him that I don't think that he quite wraps his head around Wanda's approach well and like it seems like the only reason that their relationship works is that she is also literally stuck in the oh place. sure yeah we went over that as well in episode two and you're absolutely right and it continues to show up it mm-hmm. shows up in so many ways throughout their relationship and I think that this like B plot is no because she's the reason it even started because she we, we find out she literally was the one who asked if Tony Curtis was dead because she did not know because mm-hmm. she's literally stuck in the past there's a reason season two episode two was called yesterday land that's true that is true that wasn't especially deep. Please continue what you were saying, Leslie. Oh no, we were just we were just kind of talking about how great the joke was because so you know she ha- she tells part A of the joke, which seems like a nonsense story. They hit a deer, they follow him and con- and convince him to come with them to the hospital and they'll pay for it and all of this stuff, and uh, and then while they're sitting in the waiting room to find out about the deer, she drops the second half of the joke, and and, <clears throat> and Bojack is so surprised and says, "Wow, that's." It's actually a really good joke and then she just sort of says some things take time and you're just like what because it, it just all comes around to being like many things in the show f- far more deep and pointed than you would have expected from a joke from a talking owl stuck in the past about bulch i mean i and i think that that's a huge part of wanda's character during her time on the show is she is constantly underestimated and is portrayed as this just happy-go-lucky doof that, like, doesn't retain anything. And so doing this, like, long joke that, again, is, like, in contrast to Bojack being like, that that's not a joke, it's not funny, not everything has to be funny, well, jokes do. He's so shitty about it, and it's so clever and it's so deep and it really betrays how much she's paying attention to everything all the time and is still just able to be happy-go-lucky which understandably pisses Bojack off oh yeah because he also pays attention to everything at the time and that's why he's just sad oh yeah yeah without a doubt yeah and with him he's paying attention to everything in an anxiety way and not in a fun way yeah no wonder that she's my favorite character (laughs) she is ever so good well yeah I mean going Back to what you said about her constantly being underestimated. I mean, literally her first appearance in this series is where it's revealed that she is only the head of an entertainment company out of semantics and not because she's actually qualified to be. Um, So similarly, yeah, people just think she can't do the job. But then she turns out to make Mm -hmm. hits for the network. So She's great. Celebrities, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. out. It's one of my favorite arcs from this program. I cannot wait. We're about to get there. We're going to get there very soon. What, what's great about that joke that she tells is that it does seem to be two seemingly unconnected stories um, that only connect in literally the last, like, ten words. He turns around, and it's the bag of mulch, and that's the only, like, bridge that's connecting them. Well, in true form to real-life comedy, the longer you wait between the setup and the punchline the funnier a joke yes. is that's a, there's a there's like a line graph for that yes no kidding 
Yeah, um, that's absolutely yeah, true. This, this, the way she combines two unconnected stories, so something take both some things take time, but also the answer won't always be obvious. There's a lot of subtle meaning to that, and that the plot of each story is basically a guy making a really big problem out of nothing. Yeah, that too. That's very true. Almost as though that. But that doesn't relate to any of the other plots in the episode. Not at all. Not at all. Nobody is making a big deal out of anything. Completely unrelated. That shouldn't be. That's I'm not funny. even sure why they put it in the show, really. No. <laughs> I mean, it's just a long joke that makes her look smart. That's it. It serves no, no other purpose. No further meaning behind that at all. <laughs> uh, do we have more to say about Bojack and, and Wanda, or do we want to move on to Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane? Ah, uh, yes. Oh. I think that it is time to move on to the third, final, and arguably most important plot of the episode for future continuity's sake certainly mm-hmm which is mr peanut butter and diane let's do it shall i yes please uh there is one there's one thing uh and that's that we haven't talked about the deer that bojack hits with the car oh please go ahead at all oh just the the whole speech about like oh you've been hurt before and so you think we're gonna hurt you and Wanda's there reassuring him that, like, no, like, we're not going to hurt you again. And, like, it's this really tender moment that reflects uh, it. I think it goes back to, you know, her. she's basically talking Bojack through their relationship. And the first thing Bojack does is hurt the guy. Yeah. Just like, I also won't hurt, won't hurt you. Ow. Starting, Starting now. now. It is also, obviously, that is a very important microcosm of, of the larger thing that's being talked about. Uh, but also, going back to what you said about her being, like, absurdly optimistic, uh, she is literally cracking puns while this dude has clearly broke a leg and probably some ribs. A deer in her, in her ears. ears. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. She had a deer in her ears. So good. Oh, Wanda's so great. Unflinching mm-hmm. positivity. Oh, I, I just... Her. I, I ship Wanda and Todd. I'm just going to throw that. I've I'm never sorry, thought go back. about it before. But now I have to think I, about I literally it. just made that up just now. I've never thought about it before. Oh but my God. Uh, like we were talking about it, and you've got your whole thing with Todd. I've got my thing with Wanda. They're perfect for they each other. They really are, though. Wanda would be so good for Todd. That's... Let's, let's table that. And we'll, oh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, table that. Moving on. Back to, back to uh, Peanut Butter and Diane. <laughs> During this plot line, uh, we pick up directly where we left uh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane in their house, cleaning up after the surprise party. For context, let's rewind a little bit. Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter were coming back from a library speaking engagement, uh, which was clearly a, a kind of NPR style panel titled, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. It, it's a feminism panel, actually. I'm not going to say the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, I was really looking forward Fine. to that. You did it perfectly in the intro. I was really amazed. Women on the Wall, an exploration of gender and text in media. Barbara Kruger and Jenny Holzler in conversation with Ellen Molesworth. Beautiful. Um, obviously absurdly long to the point of parody in the same way they do all those NPR gags throughout with um, like Terry Gross and Ira Glass's like, um, voicemail messages and all that jazz. <laughs> I, I that's one of my favorite bits throughout. It's just the uh, I'm Ira Glass, and this is your voicemail box. Um, I love yeah. The ringtone is your phone is ringing. Yeah, I I, I do want to say that. Um, oh excuse me. 
Uh, they are coming back from this public library event. Um, <laughs> Diane is saying how satisfied she was with the day. Mr. Peter's butter is kind of, Mr. Peanut Butter is kind of repeatedly going, "Are you sure you don't want anything else?" In his weird Paul F. Tompkins, I am telegraphing that a joke is about to happen voice. Uh, and then they go inside. Turns out there's a big surprise party. We flash forward in time. A fight has broken out between the two of them. And they we are now picking up the pieces where they left off. Diane is angrily cleaning up the house, um, unplugging the chocolate fondue fountain and popping balloons and washing dishes as she uh, angrily chastises Mr. Peanut Butter uh, for kind of going against her wishes and making a big spectacle out of something that she clearly prefers to do privately, which is celebrate her birthday. And well, the surface have... this, the surface issue was she was saying that he doesn't. Oh, yes. She, but obviously the deeper meaning here was like she say, you know, when your wife knows what she's talking about, she's clearly referring to the fact that she did not want anything else, much less a giant surprise party. Uh, Leslie is correct. It is over the fact that that he was constantly doubting her knowledge during the party. I actually forgot it was about that and not the um, yeah. the bigger thing because I was just talking about the library and I got my wires crossed. Um, but yes, it, it there it's a multi pronged uh, fight between the two of them over basically how they trust each other to communicate and whether they're doing things for each other or for themselves. And ultimately, Diane just admits, I don't think I'm happy in this relationship. And I think um, the most troubling um, part about this story is the offensive caricature of myself uh, with Diane holding a public library balloon and talking about an academic panel she went to. <laughs> Just at me next time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing that I that really stuck out to me about that is the their the theme rooms. First of all, in just the opulence of that, like how out of his way he was going to do the thing he does but in a way that did really truly honor her uh like the ballroom the thing that i thought was really interesting is that he chose a starbucks over the coffee shop that they met at the the thing is we have been shown time and time again that mr peanut butter does what Diane accuses him of. And he, he, like she says, you didn't throw me a big party, you threw yourself a big party, which is fairly accurate. He thinks that he's doing things for her. And it, I mean, like it all gets very, very plainly laid out at the end of the episode when they're in the pool of cello. This is clearly all to assuage Mr. Peanut Butter's fears that she's going to leave and the fact that he doesn't want her to. And yes, he can couch it as I'm doing this thing for you because you're my wife and I love you but it is very clearly it's very clearly at least partially self-motivated if not entirely under the guise of doing something nice for her uh I was just gonna say I mean and it seems to really play into how much they play up that he's like a big goofy dog because like what does a big goofy dog do when it thinks you're mad at it it just like lays like every toy in the house in front of you because like I like this toy, like, here you go, like, and that's what he, he, like, that's how he handles his relationship, is always just like, alright, well, like, here's every toy in the house that's my favorite, and that'll, ke like, keep you here for sure. You like that thing where you throw a thing and then I get the thing and bring it back, right? We like yeah. that, right. that's the thing we both do. Yeah. Right, yeah. Here you go. Um, no, you're right, I do like how, like, being a dog plays very specifically into his personality, um, even or, to the point where he's talking about like waiting on the couch for her. Yeah, 
Where, whereas I feel with Bojack and Princess Carolyn, the fact that they are a horse and a cat is almost incidental. Whereas, right. um, you know, horses are known for their intense anxiety. Uh, actually, horses are kind of known for their intense anxiety. <laughs> now that I think about it. Yeah, I mean... They get spooked easily. Yeah, meanwhile, you know, you've got Diane telling Mr. Peanut Butter at the pool, you know that I think you're a good boy. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I love your cute, funny face. Like... That it's was such a good gag. It's, so good. it's that, and we're watching Bones tonight, are my two favorite Mr. Peanut Butter gags. Yeah. When he doesn't know what Bones is about. Um, no, yeah, I, I think I think Mr. Peanut Butter is structured more around him being a dog than either of the two other animal leads are them being their animals. Because yeah, there's nothing about Charlotte absolutely. that means she has to be a deer. Sure. There's only certain characters, it seems, throughout the entire show that actually, like, depend on their, like, species for the gag. Yeah. And they do it with Mr. Peanut Butter quite often. You know, there's the whole plot where he lost his license because he couldn't stop chasing the mailman. They do it with him quite often, actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they do it with anyone else to that extent, ex- with the exception of the underwater episodes. Yes. Leslie and I have, like, the reason we're doing this show is for that episode. Uh-huh. No. F- folks, the... the I'm, I'm seriously here for rose-colored glasses. Like, that and, like, we, we you could have me on for, like, the, the, the mom, like, the your parents' trauma through you season. Mm-hmm. I can definitely talk about that. Oh, but, like, I'm going to talk about my own life, and that'll be weird. Oh, we're all here for it, though. I'm, I'm cutting this out of the show. <laughs> the number one, I am looking forward to the silent one. My number one episode that I'm looking forward to is the split timelines one with, uh, mm. I will always think of think you. Think of you. Uh, where, yeah, he keeps walking through the cabin, and it flashes back yeah. to the past as he's there. That's my favorite episode of this program. So fucking good. I, I'm gonna have to write through. down to listen to that one. I don't have anything to say about it, but I am very I, interested to hear what Ben Hamlin has to say about it. That was it. the episode that Thanks a got lot. me included. And Leslie. Um, oh, I mean, both I've of you clearly, but like he, his enthusiasm for it in particular, and you haven't expressed enthusiasm. <laughs> that was the episode that I tweeted about that um, got me in the official uh, BoJack Horseman season four Twitter moment. Yeah, anyway, a lot of his personality is, is dependent on the fact that he's a dog. And it does come into into play with Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane talking, where she asks explicitly, hey, did you do this for me, or did you do this for you? And he lists a bunch of things like, oh, did I go to the public library for me? And, and lists um, a bunch of things, and he says the name of the panel all over again, which is always funny, because I actually, that's one of my favorite gags too, is saying absurdly long titles and or names and or whatever. Um... But, yeah, you kind of call into question why Mr. Peanut Butter cares. Because at one point it seems to be doing, like, don't I get credit for bringing all your friends together? You know, maybe it's a surface level thing. Maybe it's a little deeper than that when he brings up Starbucks and the ball pit and all that jazz. Maybe it's deeper than that when he just like, oh, I just want to, you know, blah, 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 when they're on the jello pool. But then, like, the lowest level of that is, is unfortunately not as um, altruistic um, and is the ulterior motive of making Diane already kind of want to miss him so that she doesn't go on the trip. I said a lot of words to mean a very short thing, which is that sure. it might not have been as squeaky clean of an intention as it appears at the surface. 
and that is a lot of what their relationship is is hinged on throughout their their bumpy issues and boy boy howdy are we about to have some bumpy issues i I will say uh leslie i don't know if you recall uh, even though i guess we recorded it only like six days ago uh the previous episode uh excuse me episode season two episode two that we recorded with candace uh where i said like I kind of kept repeating the phrase, everything's fine until you brought that up. Mm. Uh, With regards to a lot of things, I think that is quite literally visually shown to us when they are able to confidently relax on that jello pile. And then once they start getting up and fighting again, they kind of sink through it like quicksand. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that is that is quite literally visually obvious. A don't rock the boat sort of thing, (laughs) Um, which I think is displayed. If that was subtext of season two, episode two, that's, the text of this episode. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's being shown to you visually. Like, here is a visual struggle that they are having. It is, it's not a sight gag so much as a sight... The ground beneath them becomes literally unstable. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a smart show. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. Oh, God, I love this show. I don't like this show very much. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say I love that this also plays into the mulch joke where it's one of those things where uh, Diane's just, like, waiting to get angry about something. And, oh, this is what the, you know, we only have so many days and I love waking up next to you. Like, that's not, like, a thing that he's been saying forever anyways because he means it. It's to guilt her into staying uh, and it, that seems to like go back to the mulch joke in the sense that like overly fixating on something uh, is the actual cause of the problem. I don't want to say that Mr. Peanut Butter isn't wrong, but him. I mean, he's clearly doing that also. But like the examples that she gives, like some of them are so mundane. And yeah, normal. but also saying stuff like "I'm going to, I will miss you. We only have so much time together, and I like waking up next to you." Is honest communication about that's, what he that's wants. That's just standard stuff that couples say and she's definitely reading far too much into it. That's honest Absolutely. communication. Absolutely. I love it. I was told that explicitly. She's, she's, just expre- <laughs> she's just projecting a lot of her insecurities about leaving, about Mr. Peanut Butter, about her marriage, etc, etc onto his completely innocuous statements. And the thing is she has a healthy amount of him disregarding her wants and needs to back that up, even though this isn't mm-hmm. one of those those situations necessarily. It's complicated. <laughs> it's, and I, I mean On that I mean show? that in there's complex level of, of layers and thinking, but like literally, this is like Facebook relationship status. It's complicated between two of them, as <laughs> we will discover later this season. Um, yeah. it's just it's so it's so awkward. And yeah, maybe maybe he had ulterior motives, but also yeah, saying that kind of shit is also just straightforward communication sometimes a little manipulative Eh, maybe probably but these things are hard to broach sometimes and maybe you have to throw a party to get your point across yeah (laughs) i don't think mr peanut butter is entirely in the wrong is all i'm saying well i mean except for that he's wrong that tony curtis is in fact yeah Yeah, he's wrong on that point (laughs) he just has different ways of communicating big issues um And also he has a problem with listening, but that's a different issue. <laughs> anyway, uh, that concludes all of my notes on this. Uh, does anyone have anything else they want to say, or shall we wrap this one up? I'm good. I feel good about it. All 
Right. Yeah, I feel good about it, too. Folks, this has been Of Horses and Men with Leslie and Ben. I'm the Ben of that. I'm joined, as always, by... Joined by Leslie. And for this episode... The Johnny. Uh, folks, I can be found at Ben C. Hamlin, that is B-E-N-C-H-A-M-L-I-N, over on Twitter. That is my full given Christian name. You can find me there, and you can talk with me about comics. Leslie, where can people find you online, and what do you talk about? You can find me online on Twitter at Vanetti, V-A-N-E-T-T-I, where I talk about various things. Whatever's going through my head, sometimes it's a sad horse, sometimes it's comic movies, sometimes it's sundry ants. other subjects. Ants. You just ants. Ants. Ant you just you just never know. You can yeah. lots of things. Come talk to me. I'm friendly. You can of course find Johnny Ronaldo deep in the woods at the stroke of midnight. Uh, you can find us all at Infinity Break 23. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> I was, I was like, so prepped to come in with, you can find me at a party in Forest Grove talking about D&D. And you just had it. You had it. That was so much better than my joke. You can find all of us at Infinity Break 23 on any social media platform, including infinitybreak.net, where we are always telling stories our own way that as webcomics, videos, podcasts, and more, we have several new projects coming down the line. So I highly encourage you to stay tuned and check into our various news channels so that you can be the first to know about such going-ons. If you like this show, you can leave a five-star review on the listening platform you are choosing to listen to us on. iTunes, Google Play, whatever. Leave a five-star review in the same way that, uh, you know, wind power is the future of our energy economy. Uh, so is praise and feedback to Leslie and I. That's what gets me up in the morning. Uh, if you'd like to support this show more directly, you can go to patreon.com forward slash infinity break. We have behind-the-scenes audio for anyone donating over a dollar a month, including a dollar a month math inclusive counting anyway folks once again i've been ben hamlin i have been leslie yates we were joined by i continue to be johnny ronaldo doesn't grammatically flow doesn't matter folks this has been of horses and men with leslie and ben we'll see you next week thank you very much for listening see you next week this podcast is part of infinity break where we're telling stories our own way you can find all of our shows podcasts web comics and more at infinitybreak.net Stay up to date with new show announcements, behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, and updates on your favorite shows. You can follow us on any social media platform by searching for Infinity Break 23. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinity break. Every dollar helps us improve the quality of this show and create new shows like this one for your listening pleasure. Thank you for listening. Please tell your friends. And as always, stay in the loop.